And I remember calling my dad and I'm like, dad, your son is now a millionaire. And my dad laughs and he's like, don't tell anybody. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Valley podcast. We are on set right now with Gerard Adams, the American entrepreneur who, at the age of 24, I mean, when I was 24, I was basically, I just come out of university. I'd been bouncing around trying to figure out what to do with my life. But Gerard Adams, at the age of 24, had started this company, become a millionaire, and was employing dozens of people. He went on to start Elite Daily, a new site targeted to millennials. Elite Daily became the number one internet destination for millennials. And Gerard sold it to the Daily Mail in 2015 for $50 million. He's a frequent contributor to Entrepreneur Magazine. He's the founder of the Newark, New Jersey Startup Accelerator Founders. He is only 35 and he's accomplished a lifetime set of entrepreneurship goals. And he's also someone whom I've put on stage at Mind Valley to speak to my team. And they were blown away by his humility, by his dedication to his personal growth and his spirituality, and how he views entrepreneurship as an art of perfecting yourself. So, Gerard, welcome to Mind Valley. And Mind Valley, welcome to the beautiful mind of Gerard Adams. Amazing. Thank you so much for uh, having me, Vision been a fan of Mind Valley for so many years and and I'm excited to open up and go deep with you Vishen. So Gerard, the reason I wanted to have you on this podcast is how much you touch the hearts of my Mind Valley employees when you visited our office in Malaysia and gave your talk and spoke about your journey. Let's start there. What happened that made you so successful? at the young age of 24. I mean, that is like every young entrepreneur's dream. What did you go through and what happened and what are some takeaway lessons from that experience? Wow, it's unbelievable. So I was at the beginning of my journey close to 18 years ago. And the first thing that comes through for me is that I genuinely had a mentor in my life and I can't say enough how valuable that was for me to be an apprentice in my early 20s and really be able to model someone that guided me to understand the power of doing my own research, just understanding the internet at that time, because I was so obsessed with learning about the internet because I had worked for a paycheck when I was like 16 years old at a local supermarket. I remember seeing my mother You know, I'll never forget getting that first paycheck and seeing it for $300 and seeing my mom with like back pains and knee pains and and just feeling like this is not going to get my mom out of working at this supermarket and I don't want to be working here. So, you know, it was like I knew that I needed to do something that was unconventional. I knew I needed to do something that may not be accepted by the norm of society because I grew up being told I had to go to college in order for me to become successful And I knew that the only way that it was going to work for me back then was like, I needed someone. There had to be someone out there. And Mindvalley, I don't know if it was around 18 years ago. I wish it was. 
Well, you know, it was at the infancy before like entrepreneurship became so relevant. And now you have YouTube and you have podcasts and so much information. It was a little harder. So I was like, I got to find a mentor. And the first thing, the first takeaway for me was, I remember asking all my classmates, I was in my first semester of college. And I remember just saying like, does anyone know anyone who's made it? That's not gone through college. And one guy was like, hey, gee, I know someone And he drove me to this house in Wayne, New Jersey. I'll never forget pulling up this brick house that had three-car garage, basketball, in-ground pool. I go inside this house. And this is the first time I've seen a house like this because I didn't grow up like this. My mother immigrated from Colombia and my dad's side from Italy. And we didn't have money like that. So I remember walking in this house and just being amazed, being like, wow, like a mansion. I'm like, this is amazing. I see this young guy come down and I'm like, hey, bro, what do your parents do for a living? And he looked at me and he said, this isn't my parents' house. This is my house. And that moment, I'll never forget. It was this huge moment of inspiration. I was like, oh, like, okay, this is possible. Like, this is possible. You don't have to go to college. He was like probably a couple years older than me. He was in his young 20s. And that day, I just started becoming an apprentice and learning about the internet, learning about marketing, learning about financials, learning about storytelling, learning about email, building email lists. And that was what sparked the inspiration and the model and the learning for me to be able to eventually start my first agency and build that from a $500 client to then six-figure clients and building my first $10 million business by the time I was 24 and becoming the first self-made millionaire in my family. That was amazing because that kid created a new mental model in your mind. He showed you that you don't have to wait to be 30 or 40 to become really successful. What else sparked you when you met that person, when you met that mentor? And if you're allowed to say who he was and what he did, that might help as well because it gives us more clarity, more juice. What were some of the, the new beliefs that you took on? His name is Jonathan, and he showed me that if you want to be successful, you're going to have to separate yourself from every belief that you might have had growing up. Like, you have to change your beliefs in the first place. Like, he was the one who kind of sparked to me that I had to kind of rewire what was true and that I was able to go out and change my belief on, like, money. And that, you know, at that time, Vision, like, I really was going after the money. Now that's changed over the years. Now I really believe that it's not about chasing the money. But back then I was like, wow, like I wanted to become rich. Cause I, for me, that meant freedom. And that meant being able to take care of my mother and my father, which was my dream, was to take care of them. Now at 24, you had become a millionaire. Yeah. What happened there? Take us back through that journey. I'll never forget the day. It was like, I was inching up to having a million dollars in my bank account, like a clean million dollars, like seven figures in my bank account. Cause my company was doing amazing, but I was saving up my own money. And I'll never forget that day where it was like 950, 960. Finally it gets to like $1 million. I'll just never forget that feeling of accomplishment. Like I did it. I can't believe that I just became a millionaire for my family. It was more than the money. It was like this accolade. And I remember calling my dad and I'm like, dad, your son is now a millionaire. And my dad laughs and he's like, don't tell anybody. And yeah, you know, my family was that type where they didn't want me to really share and, you know, they're protective. 
I remember just screaming, jumping up and down, looking out. I finally had my first apartment with New York City views. I was screaming out the window, playing music. And I just remember feeling unstoppable. I remember feeling like I can continue doing this and that I had a gift, that I had figured out my gift, that I had a gift of being able to help companies to tell their story using the internet. And that's changed because now we have social media. We have so many more tools than I had back then. Back then, all I had was email marketing and they Google pay-per-click started. But now the game has changed. What did you do? How did you make your first million at 24? Yeah, I was building email newsletters. Well, how it happened, Vision, was I wanted to learn how to trade stocks. I really was interested and obsessed with learning about the stock market because my father he would always talk to me about it growing up. And he would tell me when I would come home from school, he'd be like, oh, so what's Prudential stock at? And I would have to like see all these numbers going across the screen, green, red. I'm like, what is this stock market thing? But it really sparked my inspiration for learning about it. So my first idea was to start a platform called stockspot.com. And I took the idea from eBay that had a, a rating system from one to five stars color coordinated. And depending on how many times you were ranked as a member, you would get gold stars. So if you were ranked a hundred times, you had gold stars. And if you had four or five stars, then that meant like you were amazing at picking stocks. And it was just a forum, a message board, a community that was sharing ideas, sharing things that they're passionate about. But because there was a ranking, you got to see who was more credible and who was more of an expert, so to speak. And the reason why I built that was because I was looking for a community that can help me to learn about trading stocks. So I solved that problem. I was like, well, there's got to be a way for me to solve that. So I started that. And then what happened was I had a company out of New Jersey that was a nanotechnology company that wanted to advertise on my site. And I had never thought about advertising. And he got in touch with me and he asked me if you can get in front of my message board. And he was like, do you even know the value of what you've created? I said, no, this was my second mentor in life. I've had a lot. I've even asked you to be my mentor. And my second mentor, his name was Ron Durando, the CEO of a company called M-Phase Technologies. And he was reinventing the battery. And he created a battery called the nano battery. And this battery, what it was, was it created a nano structure that separated the two liquids in a battery. So there's electrodes and electrolytes. So typically when you use a battery to like double A batteries, they're actually using energy even though they're on the shelf. And what he had created was this nano structure that essentially created an infinite shelf life battery. So for instance, if your car broke down, no matter where you were in the world, you didn't need another car to jumpstart your car. You can use the nano battery that had energy and you would jumpstart your car and you would know that you or your daughter would be able to get home safe. So he invited me over to his office and he's the one who taught me about what's called investor relations and public relations. We tied that together with my passion and understanding of the internet. And then what ended up happening was I built a marketing agency that helped companies like Ron's, the nanotechnology company, to tell their story on the internet through blogs, through helping them build an email list and doing public relations, getting them written up in Wired Magazine online and, and different things like that. And that was my first experience where not only did I build a big company, it was also my very first, Ron gave me my first big experience with failure, huge failure story. Ron was one of my first big clients, right? He was like a mentor to me to start this agency. And I built him to have this largest shareholder base out of any small cap publicly traded stock. We had 18,000 shareholders during my time helping him market the company. 
So I tell Ron, let's do the first ever live demonstration of the nano battery. Now I had gone and done this like mini documentary on the nano battery at labs, him creating it. I mean, it was amazing. So I get about 200 people in the room in New York City, all like investment bankers, the media, all for this live demonstration of the nano battery. And I had to be like, I don't know, 19 years old. I look like a baby. I didn't even have facial hair at the time. So I'm in the bathroom with cue cards, scared because I'd never done public speaking. Ron comes in the bathroom, never forget this day. He hits the cue cards out of my hand and he's like, Gerard, just be yourself. This was another huge moment in my life. Just be yourself and go out there. And, and I was opening up this speech. So I go out there, I say, hi, everybody. I'm Gerard Adams. And this is why I believe in the nano battery. And I start giving my speech. And then I say, let me please introduce to you the chief scientist officer, Dr. Fred Allen, and our CEO, Ron Durando. Ron comes up, Fred comes up, and they have two screens with the nano battery. And they're showing essentially that the battery is not using any energy. But as soon as they hit a button showing the battery, it'll show energy being on the screens, proving the concept of the nano battery. And they're getting ready to raise I'm talking tens of millions of dollars. You know, they could have probably raised $50 million that day to take it into mass production. So they hit that button, Vision, and what do you think happens? Nothing. <laughs> exactly. Crickets, right? And there I am with sweaty palms thinking this is the moment that's going to be the biggest breakthrough moment of my career. And crickets, this battery doesn't work. And I felt like the biggest failure. I thought my career was over as an entrepreneur. My career was just getting started. I thought my career was over. One guy came up to me before he left that room. As everybody's leaving the room, the stock's crashing. And a guy comes over to me, Vish, and he gives me his card. He says, hey, kid, I'm surprised you even got me in the room. And he gives me his card and he said, call me. And that was the day I said, you know what? This might have been a failure, but that doesn't mean I can't help other companies do the same thing. He's right. I got him in the room. I have a gift to tell stories and to get people to pay attention. And that was the beginning, the infancy of what became a $10 million agency by the time I was 24, 25, and became a self-made millionaire. The nano battery demo failed, but that was the battery. That wasn't your job. Your job was bringing all of these people into the room for the demonstration. And you had succeeded wildly there. And now you have the makings of an agency. I love that. Now let's go a little bit further. What happened that made you start Elite Daily. A 24-year-old kid starting one of the biggest sites on the internet and selling it for $50 million is quite a story. Let's hear that. You know, it's interesting. I get chills just thinking about it because right now, before I go back to that story, I will say right now is that opportunity for someone who's listening to this right now. I guarantee you that there is someone right now that is listening to this that is the person who's going to create the next biggest thing. The next, he's the next Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Oprah. Someone is listening to this right now because the reason why I started was because we had just gone through an economic recession. It was right coming out of the real estate crash between like that 2008, 2009, 2010. Like we had just come out of it and I had had this huge agency, but because my clients, remember these are publicly traded companies. So the stock market crashes all my clients don't want to hire me anymore because they're all freaking going through this huge crash. And guess what? All the money I had saved, I put it in the stock market. So here I am as the most successful young guy that came out of my high school. All my high school friends are in college graduating at that time with college debt. They can't get a job 
and they got a worthless college degree. So who do you think they're coming to? Gerard Adams, because he's the guy who made it. And where's Gerard Adams? He just lost everything. So I was at the most depressed time of my life, Ishan, and I remember feeling like a failure. I had lost all this money in the stock market. My company's now going to shambles. And I had to sell my exotic car. I had to sell my penthouse apartment. And I go to my mom and I'm like super depressed. Like, I can't believe this. I look like such a failure. I don't want no one to know. My mom's like, Gerard, when I got here from Colombia, my mother's the oldest of a family of five, my uncles and aunts. They lived in a one bedroom apartment in Jersey City. My mother leaves high school one day. She's walking home with her friend and her friend goes, Jenny, that's my mother's name. My mother's kind of like this Spanish Oprah. If you met her, she's like, you get rice and beans. You get rice and beans. Everyone gets rice and beans if you come to my house. So she's walking home and she's like, Jenny, I think that's the apartment building that you live in and it's on fire. My mom runs home and luckily my aunts and my uncles and my grandparents get out of that fire. But here they are on the side of the street in Jersey City. They came to this country with nothing and now they literally have nothing. Everything burnt to the ground. So my mom's crying to me as she's telling me this and she goes, Gerard, you could lose all the money and all the materialism, you can lose all of that in the world, but they'll never take this. She points to her head and she points to her heart. They'll never take this. She goes, so get back out there and do it again. And that was all I needed to say, you know what? She's right. That was the second moment in my life of adversity where I said, I got to keep going. I got to look at how did this happen for me? What did I learn from this? Where's my gift? And where is there a problem coming out of this that I can help solve? And what I noticed was at that time, all these, my generation, the millennials were coming out of college, college debt, and there was not one publication that gave us a voice, a voice to share what we were going through. Not just the voice, but it also allowed us to have humor, talk about health, business, entertainment, anything that you wanted to share, we gave the generation a voice. I bought the domain name for $9.99. And now I started looking for new mentors. I met Ariana Huffington of the Huffington Post. And I pitched Ariana Huffington. I'll never forget, I got a picture with her wearing the first Elite Daily little plastic band. I went and got in touch with Mark Echo from Complex Media. And I went and found mentors, another guy named Andrew Reese, who started a huge video platform. And these new mentors showed me, even though I had a lot of haters at this time, Bishop, everyone was like, who are these kids with a blog, they're not real journalists. And we made a lot of mistakes. I mean, we were just going for it, you know? We didn't have a great editing team and quality control and editor-in-chief. Like, it, it took time to understand how to build structure, eventually going and raising venture capital and growing it from three of us in my apartment to 200 employees, 80 to 100 articles per day is what we learned we needed to do in order for us to get viral on a day-to-day basis, and then we built it to 80 million unique visitors per month, which was the largest millennial website at that time. Then that kind of led to the exit that I actually thought was the worst thing. I didn't want to have happen, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. When did you start Elite Daily, and what year was it, and what year did you exit? 2010 is the infancy, and then 2011, we finally got it going, and 2015 is when we exited. Wow. So around five years. Now that sounds like an incredible amount of time to exit for 50 million, but I'm sure there were like some road bumps on the way. What were some of like the biggest challenges you went through in those five years? The biggest thing was like, 
having a strong foundation and understanding leadership at this point in my life. Like for the first time in my life, I went from being the mentee to the mentor. I had to start being the mentor at this point in my life and mentoring my intern to be the CEO who is 19 years old. Like me, like if you were in your young 20s, like I understand where you're at in life. So I became the big brother. Everyone who worked for me was under 24 years old. And now here I was now starting to be at 28, 29, 30 years old. The hard part for me was like learning how to actually lead and build a team because I couldn't do it alone. How to put structure in place with operations and finance and a marketing division, a sales division, a tech division. That was one of the hardest things. And Gerard, when you exited, was it everything you dreamed of? Yes. So I didn't want to exit. In fact, I was the blocking vote. I actually got a threatening letter in the mail from one of the largest venture capital firms in the world, Graycroft. You know, it's one of the largest in the world. It's not to their fault. They were doing their part, you know, to basically say like, if I don't vote, it was almost as if I felt like I was going to get kicked off the board and all these things because they wanted me to do what was in the best interest of everyone. And at that time, if you remember Vision, Around 2015, there was a major shift happening in the Facebook algorithms. We no longer was allowing content to just pop up on the feed. It now was being changed to what they felt they needed to be shown to you. So a small percentage of the content that you actually follow, all those friends that you follow, like you're not seeing all that content anymore. They're actually now starting to put the content that they think is best for you, essentially now creating a new ad network for them to monetize. And at that time, we saw that testing happening within Facebook and Facebook was our number one driver of traffic. So my co-founders were like, gee, we got to get out and we got to get out. Now this is a blessing. And I was like, but guys, they don't understand the value of our brand equity. We've created a brand like Mindvalley. Mindvalley has all these amazing users, but you're bigger than your users. You're bigger than the traffic. You're bigger than those numbers. You have a culture and that culture is hard to quantify what you've created. And with Elite Daily, we created a culture. You know, there was meaning behind what we stood for. And that was like, you couldn't almost put a price on it. It's hard to put a valuation on when you have something like that, where the community is meeting up on their own in cities all over the world. And Elite Daily had that. So for me, I was fighting for that. Like we haven't even scratched the surface. This could become a billion dollar company one day, right? So when it got down to the boardroom, I'll never forget that day. I had given us another option of raising money to keep going, but I took my two co-founders into another room as we were getting near the vote. I looked them in the eyes. I said, guys, I did everything I could. I'll never forget. I had two weeks to run around meeting all investors, meeting all our advisors, doing everything I could to give us another option to not exit just to give us another option. So I looked at my co-founders in the eyes. I'm like, what do we want to do? We have these two options now. And they had tears in their eyes and they looked at me and they're like, gee, we did it, bro. It may not be a billion dollar exit, but we did it. We created something that's going to last. We created something that's a win on our belt. And what we do from here is what matters. And you know, I went back in there and we made the vote and we cried. And I actually went into a depression feeling like, I didn't know who Gerard was. My identity was so attached to Elite Daily that I didn't know who Gerard was. And this is when I really had my awakening, my beginning of my awakening of realizing that it's bigger than me. It's bigger than Elite Daily. God has chosen me to to create a, a bigger impact, to be a voice of this generation. And that Elite Daily didn't necessarily need to be the platform 
but that I could be the platform. And if you're listening to this right now, you have the ability to be the platform today. It doesn't have to be behind this name of a brand. You could be the one that goes out there and use your voice and your story to make an impact and to become a digital entrepreneur that's going out there and serving others. And that was the beginning of, of what happened with me. And that was the birth of what then became me stepping out of my account and was like, go to Florida and, and all this money's being wired to you. And I remember being on the balcony in Florida, looking at the ocean. I was like, no, I need to show people what it truly takes to be an entrepreneur because it's not all Lamborghinis and rainbows. It's actually the opposite. It's going within, it's work, it's hard work, it's transformation. So I went to Newark, New Jersey, where my parents immigrated to in the middle of the hood and I built an incubator and I started serving minorities in the corner of the hood teaching them emotional intelligence, teaching them entrepreneurship, teaching them financial literacy, and documenting it through my series, Leaders Create Leaders, inviting people like Tom Bilyeu, who you've worked with, and Lewis Howes, and Eric Thomas, all these amazing leaders to come to this facility, this incubator, and as we were teaching middle school, high school, and millennials to go out there and understand how to create their own self-made freedom. Wow, I can't imagine being 30 years old, selling your company, which started out as a blog for $50 million. I mean, that's really... One of the things I've realized after conducting well over a thousand interviews with the world's greatest thought leaders in everything from entrepreneurship to spirituality to health and wellness to relationship is that life is enormous. And there are so many ways we can make our life better and better in every way, in every single day. If you're successful in just one area of life, you might just suck in another. I've known billionaires whose romantic lives were in shambles. I've known incredibly emotionally intelligent people who just couldn't make money. And that's totally fine. It doesn't matter where you are. Life doesn't have to stay the same forever. You're not cursed or destined to be miserable or unlucky in love or struggling to make ends meet. You were just never thought how to have it all, how to do things differently, how to master the human experience from a mind, body, and soul perspective. This is where Mind Valley membership comes in. When you become a Mind Valley member, you are coached by the greatest teachers in the world. You get to live a life beyond your wildest dreams and learn the best systems, protocols, methods, step by step by step in just 20 minutes a day to get there. You become the man or woman that you've always aspired to be. And this happens in the easiest, most effective way because of the Mind Valley transformational model. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now. Don't settle for ordinary. Don't settle for your life the way it is now. Aspire to step into your greatness. Really impressive. Let's look at a couple of the questions which have come in. So for those of you who are listening to this on the podcast or on YouTube, we do our recordings in front of a live audience because it's just so much more exciting when you have a live audience and you can see comments and I can interact with the audience. And the audience that's invited here today are Mind Valley All Access members. These are the Mind Valley students who get access to everything. And they get to join these calls and interact with the teachers and ask questions. And they're all connected on an app. So one of the questions that I got is I'm currently working for the government. I have no passion there. I feel the call to coach and have taken quite a few courses and have been certified as a career coach. But how do I start getting clients? How do I overcome my inexperience with networking and social media? I won't read the name because it's a fairly personal question. 
I'll just read out the first name. This question is by Esther. Oh, Esther, amazing question. And first and foremost, I just want to honor your work working for the government. I can only imagine what that's taken for you to get to where you are. And, you know, I think it's amazing. And you're on to a new chapter. How exciting. And I think just step into that excitement and realize that there is no perfect plan. You can take all the courses in the world, but ultimately you have to trust yourself. You have to trust your intuition. Like as we know from the Buddha and the badass, right? And if there's one advice that I would give you though, in, in regards to as you're stepping into becoming that coach and launching that new business as a digital entrepreneur and coach, like one of the big things that I learned is you have to become polarizing and understand what is it that you truly want to be known for? You see, there's a lot of coaches out there that I meet them and they're like, well, Gerard, I want to impact the world. I want to serve everyone and I want to help them get freedom. And they say all these lofty things, but they don't get specific. And if you want to get clients, you have to get extremely specific and you got to go from being a generalist, which in my opinion is just another coach. You don't want to be just another, just another real estate coach, just another nutrition coach, just another, you know, business coach. You don't want to be just another. You want to go up the ladder in the pyramid from a generalist to a specialist, right? Which is when you start getting credibility from a specialist to like an influencer, someone who's known, you have influence because you become more of an expert at this, to then becoming someone of authority, building that personal brand. And then you want to go up to becoming a trusted advisor, a thought leader, where you have notoriety. And again, you're very, the way to do that is you got to get very polarizing as to who is it that you're looking to serve, get very specific as to who they are. And the more specific you get, the more polarizing you will be. And then you will actually speak to that one person. And that's how you'll start to get, you know, those clients. Remember that first $10 million agency that even I launched was super specific with small cap publicly traded companies. It had a very specific market cap. A lot of times they were very specific in the industry that I would go after, but the more specific you go and work your way from being a generalist to actually becoming someone who's a trusted advisor, you'll start to see a lot more interest in people wanting to work with you. That's awesome, Gerard. Thank you for answering that question. And thank you, Esther, for asking. Alan said, you get what you give. Once you decided to give back, the good fortune came to you. Would you agree with that, Gerard? Because you give back in so many ways. Yeah, I think Tony Robbins said it best. I learned from him. He said, success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. Mm, I love that. Now that leads to an interesting question, which I'd love for us to discuss. You became really wealthy at the age of 24. You became a millionaire at 24. Is that a good goal? Is it okay for someone to have a goal that is purely about money? Going back to that quote from Tony Robbins, or must we always seek a way to contribute? So I don't think it's an or, I think it's an and. I really want everybody to know that yes, you can become rich, you can become wealthy, you can make a lot of money and you could be an amazing, good human being that creates massive contribution and impact to the world. But the thing is this, one of my greatest mentors taught me this. I'm so blessed. I've had so many throughout my entire life. He said, money doesn't lead, it follows. So what you understand is you can get rich and have, all, have it all, everything you ever desired, but money cannot lead. Ryan Blair taught me that one of my greatest mentors, and that's what I realized. Because when I went after just the money, remember, I lost it. 
I had to build it back. Thank God my mother inspired me. So what I would say to you is, is money doesn't lead, it follows. But it's okay to have that goal, of course. Have a goal of becoming the first millionaire. Have the goal of becoming the first billionaire if you want. Just don't be so attached to the money. Be attached to the impact and the contribution that you can create with that money. Mm, I love that. I love that. Now, Gerard, if you could advise people who are looking at making the leap towards being an entrepreneur, or maybe there are people out there, as you know, entrepreneurship isn't easy. Very often we fall into modes of stagnation. We go through failure. I've failed at multiple companies. What would be your advice for people who are struggling to get to that level where their business is just that dream manifested? What would be some of the tips that you would offer? Yeah, so at this point in my career, after 18 years, what I've realized is that business ultimately is a spiritual game, in my opinion. What I'm saying is that business is an extension of you internally. So the thing that has kept me going, for sure, hands down, is my personal routine, my personal rituals that keep me aligned in creating harmony with my energy, my emotional mastery, continuing to get settled into my values and what I stand for, reminding myself of what I stand for, coming back into a state of gratitude constantly. For me, every single day, I have a very specific routine that I call pregame, game time, postgame. Like as if you're an athlete, if you're an Olympian, right? It's like every day with the pregame, game time, postgame routine. And, you know, my rituals, this is the ultimate. Like I talk about self-mastery. And for me, if you want to be the ultimate entrepreneur, in my opinion, you have to look at five pillars in your life. I call it the H5. It's your health, your hustle, your harmony, your heart, and your happiness, those five things. And I break those down into subcategories. So for instance, health for me is routine and rituals, energy and exercise. And then I customize that to what that means for me, because not everyone's the same. Not everybody wants to go to the gym and lift weights. For you, it may just be push-ups, or for you, it may just be going for a run. You may love to run and get outside. It's different for everyone, but you fill those in And then I break those down even further into a level one, level two, level three, and I make it into a game. So for hustle, I even get clear on what are my priorities and what are my profits. And I look at, did I make a dollar today? For me, it's like a thousand to 10,000, 10,000 to 20,000, 20,000 to 50,000 or plus a day, every day. And I'm looking at, and I'm just measuring because you cannot change what you do not measure. You have to really look at those pillars in your life and see Because you may be amazing at hustling. You may be amazing at every day, putting in the work and grinding, but something's not clicking for you. Something's just, you're constantly hitting a wall. You don't understand what it is. Maybe it's because you're lacking the harmony in your life. Mm. Maybe you're lacking the health. You have to look at all of these different areas I've learned as an entrepreneur. This is so amazing. So it's health, hustle. What's the third H? Harmony. Harmony. Okay, let's talk about harmony. What goes in harmony? Well, again, you customize it to yourself, right? So I would challenge you all, everyone that's listening to this right now, write down what does it mean to you and try to think of in acronyms, right? So maybe it's appreciation and abundance. Maybe it's community and compassion. Maybe it's God and gratitude. What does it mean to you? Harmony is different. For me, 
I've always put in mind, I have gratitude. I actually had God. And recently I put goddess because I recently have called in my goddess. And I've realized that harmony for me also means to make time for my love life. So I've started to measure, am I making time to show appreciation to her every day? And that helps me to create some harmony and in gratitude every day for me in my meditation and journaling. But I think, you know, for everyone, it could be different, you know, and, and I think that's what makes it playful. You're able to kind of customize it for yourself. How hustle harmony. There are two more. What's number four? Yeah. So heart is the next one. And then happiness. Let's talk about heart. How do you break down heart? What does that mean? Heart for me breaks down into like truly love. We did an episode on Leaders Create Leaders where I interviewed Vishen, where he talks so much about intuition. And I truly believe that that is probably the greatest compass and greatest tool that we have as entrepreneurs is building that relationship with your intuition, that soul. You know, and I think that also plays into that heart, that heart intelligence, right? Dropping from your head and your ego, logic, which just plays a role. It's important as an entrepreneur. But really, I swear on everything I love, tapping into listening to my heart and my soul has been the greatest asset that I've had as an entrepreneur, hands down. That's beautiful. So it is health, hustle, harmony, heart. And the fifth one. Happiness. Happiness. What does that mean to you? For me personally, it's purpose and play. You know, when I think about my happiness, I think about, am I aligned? Am I on fire with my purpose every day? Am I serving every day? And I'm looking at that and then I'm looking at play. Happiness for me is also play. Play for me is, am I making time to go and spend time like this weekend? I, I went and I played football with my niece and nephews. Am I making time for family? Am I making time to go on an adventure up to travel? Am I making time to go and play fetch with my dog? For me, I like to play basketball. But am I making time for these things every day, making sure I get a little bit of play and making sure and I'm measuring how aligned or on fire I am with my purpose every single day? That 5-H model is so amazing. That should be a speech of its own. I love that model. And I love how you live your life and how you show up. I was particularly struck when we had lunch together and I first got to know you. And you were such an avid listener. I asked Gerard, Gerard, do you think maybe you'll come and teach on Mind Valley?" And he said, yes, if you promise me that you'll be one of my mentors. So I instantly said yes. And that's why I'm so excited that Gerard is going to be one of our new quest authors on Mind Valley. Gerard, any closing words? All I would say is there's someone listening to this right now and I'm here to be a vessel. You know, it's my mission, similar to Vision and to all of you to contribute and make the most contribution that I possibly can while God renews my contract every day to have air in my lungs and to give you all a model, to give you a path so that you can take that and pass it on to the next person. That's why I talk about leaders create leaders, right? We are in this together, but you have to take action. You have to be willing to step forward and you know not get stuck in procrastination. And right now there is a lot of uncertainty in the world right now. There's a lot that is shifting, but this is the greatest, just like it was for me back in the last recession, this is the greatest time in history for you to go all in on yourself as an entrepreneur and make contribution impact in the world 
Amazing. So thank you all for joining us. Gerard, thank you for being part of this program. And for those of you watching on the podcast, if you're not a member of Mindvalley All Access, go to mindvalley.com forward slash access and check it out. It will blow your mind. And this is the greatest thing on the planet you can spend your money on. Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.